Hey guys, welcome back to the 32 Panels Podcast. This is week two. If you survived week one, thanks for giving us a second chance. And uh, for some of you new listeners, know that this is something that is uh, kind of evolving as we go along. Today, uh, myself, I'm Sean Hoover with Jake Mercer, and our guest today is Eric Wazowski. Uh, thank you again for checking in. Hey, Jake. Uh, it's been about a week since we put together one of these podcasts, and um, you know, over the weekend we celebrated Father's Day, and I was just wondering, uh, how was yours? It was good. Uh, nice and relaxing time with uh, my wife and two girls. We went up to my uh, my in-laws' lake house and just chilled outside on the boat and just hung out and had a nice time. So, <laughs> yeah. how was yours, Sean? Well, for you guys that know. Uh, those memes show like what Mother's Day is like and then what Father's Day is like. So, I mean, I think that sounds like a really enviable Father's Day. Well, I am not a father, but um, I do think about Father's Day and I do think about uh, my dad and celebrating some of the things he brought to my life. Um, you know, he he was uh, he is still around and uh, he's he was one of my first instrumental coaches of soccer, of the game. And um, have you ever had like a dad being your coach before? I, you know, oh, yeah. I, it, you know, it's it's like the double edged sword. I don't know if that's uh, you know something that it, it re- resonates with anybody else out there. But having a father as your coach is just like an extra uh, task for both the player and and the father. So I I kind of was thinking about the days that he would uh, you know try to you know, spend a little extra time with me and put together some lineups and do all this extra stuff. And I saw the amount of time that he was willing to put in, you know, to make sure that we had some successful teams. Of course, he didn't have a, so- a soccer background. He didn't play football growing up, you know, but you know, what he did have is kind of a Canadian heritage and he had a, a hockey background. And I find that the triangles that create in hockey are very close to the triangles that are created with, uh, um, soccer. So, you know, those, those mindsets kind of merged and that's kind of the players that, you know, we, we kind of evolved and became, but of course we had to uh, pay trainers and things like that to kind of shape our games and stuff like that. But I, I just wanted to say, you know, give a shout out to my dad, Ed Hoover, and just say, you know, that he's a hell of a coach, a hell of a dedicated guy. And I'm glad he lifted me off the ground and always kept me, uh, always kept me in the game, you know, always kept my mind uh, as, as a guy who wanted to move forward and build to be a better player and a better person in this world. Yeah. And the, uh, the other good thing from this past weekend was all the uh, top four leagues in Europe had got back into action and we're going to transition now into a new segment that we're going to call the full 90 weekend rundown. Yeah. We're going to have Sean run through all the results and we'll give our thoughts from the games that we watched. Well, yeah, we had, uh, Aston Villa and Sheffield United, uh, start us back off, kick the campaign back off on Wednesday. Uh, that came to a 0-0 draw. That's the infamous VAR check where the guy's in the net. You got Man City pulling my Arsenal's pants down 3 to nothing. Uh, David Luiz, he's the MVP for both. Uh, I think he probably is the MVP for Man City, and uh, Leno was probably the MVP of the game with the amount of saves that he had to put up. Uh, Norwich City... Zero, Southampton, three. I watched the game. Uh, you know, Norwich is in trouble. They're, they're pretty much done. Uh, Tottenham and uh, Man United, they square off. 
you've got a 1-1 game and magnificent play by Pogba and Fernandez in the midfield, it could become scary if that if that links up moving into next year. Uh, Watford and Leicester City come out to 1-1 game. That was that game of the week, just to let you know, if you want to take a look at the highlights of how that game played out. Incredible, incredible. My little Watford Hornets, the heart was down in my stomach. I felt like we lost, and then they came back, reclamated the situation. 1-1, both goals were so beautiful. Both those teams, I could watch a seven-game series of them playing every week and every, you know, at, at any time. And they just have th- those two play at such a high rate against each other. Beautiful soccer in those two, in that game amongst those two teams. Uh, Brighton uh, pulls a upset against Arsenal. I don't even know if we can continue to call it an uh, upset. Um, our MVP of the previous game, Leno, gets injured. Uh, there's a little bit of controversy behind that, but uh, otherwise, it's two to one, Brighton. Uh, we got West Ham losing uh, at home to Wolves. Wolves look like a great, well-oiled machine. Traore is on fire. It's two to zero. West Ham, you guys are in trouble. Uh, Bournemouth zero. Crystal Palace two. Bournemouth, the host, they look like a bond, uh, garbage fire. Uh, we got Newcastle. At home versus Sheffield United. Sheffield United pulls the boner play of the day. Their defender got goaded into a stupid yellow card in the first half, and he gets sent out early in the game. Uh, so Sheffield played 10 men uh, ten men uh, with 10 men, and their tails tucked in between their legs. I did not expect this. Newcastle, three be- two beautiful goals, one kind of soft. We got Aston Villa at home against Chelsea. The thing I recall most about the Aston Villa-Chelsea game is Chelsea pretty much ran the thing. Aston Villa's sprinkler system certainly do work, and they work during the middle of the game. Uh, The last but not least, probably the biggest prominent game um, on paper for the weekend was the potential league clincher. Uh, between Everton and Liverpool. Unfortunately, that was not going to be the league clincher. Uh, Everton draws 0-0 in a well-fought battle. Uh, Today, we watched Man City destroy Burnley. 5-0. Burnley, they they might as well just pack it up. They're they're just another trash fire. Their team has had no bench. They probably had more goalies on the bench today, active and available, than they did uh, field players. So it, it it really looks like Sean Dyche is in a real tough situation. He's going to be in a tough battle without some of his key players. So that's what I got for you for the weekend. And uh, back to you, Jake. All right. And uh, with that, I think I'll, I'll turn it over to Eric. So big win for Newcastle. How is that as a a Newcastle supporter in Toledo, Ohio. You know, I, I listened to you guys' podcast last week, and I actually texted Sean right away after the match. I said, you guys just need to bash Newcastle more frequently <laughs> because you come out here and say that they're a team that you want to see out of the Premier League, and don't get me wrong. Steve Bruce, not the best of managers in the sense of he's going to have a direction, he's going to have a, this is what we want to do. He's the type of guy that you throw in there to hope to maybe get promoted or, or hope to not get relegated. Get, with the pieces that he's had this year, I thought he's done a fine job. But 
Joe Ellington, you, you made a little, a, a little <laughs> side there in that 3 0 I think the, his best moment of the match was getting Joe, John Egan set off. He, he baits him into a yellow card in the first half and then gets good position and great strength to, to force a yellow there in the second half. Sure, he, get, he gets a goal in there, but good God, you look in the first half of that match. He's through on goal, and I think he he hits the freaking turf. <laughs> He's in on goal, and you can just if you don't listen uh, to the, the added commentary of this match, you just listen to the straight broadcast. You hear him take a shot and scuff the ground. You just hear John Joe Shelby just irate with him. Just go ahead and give that a listen. It just shows you that this man you paid forty million pounds for him, and he's he's gotten two goals, one against the ten men Sheffield side this past weekend, and a tap in. Which all right, cool. And then one against Tottenham to win 1-0 back in August, which was a sweet goal. But outside of that, this man, he has not had much confidence and not played well this year. But nonetheless, a great, great result. We're definitely safe this year. Yeah, and I, uh, I personally didn't get to watch too much of the weekend action. I only caught bits and pieces of matches. Um, caught a little bit of the, the Wolverhampton-West Ham game where – Adama Traore came on and really changed the, the dynamics of that game. I saw his beautiful cross to uh, Raul Jimenez. Just a classy finish right there. And uh, the other, I caught the end of the uh, Watford-Leicester game where uh, Chilwell had that really nice goal right there at the end, put them up. Um, couldn't hold on. But, uh, yeah, it was really interesting weekend, uh, really <laughs> seeing the rust from everyone, including the VAR in that first game uh, with <laughs> with uh, the no-goal call for uh, for Sheffield United. But um, aside from that, it was really nice to see that um, the Premier League was really taking the uh, Black Lives Matter um, initiative seriously. And uh, you could see the, the name right on the back of the jerseys and everyone kind of uh, taking part in, in solidarity for that. Yeah, and, and I, Sean, I, thought, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I also think that it, it shows you how, you know, uh, sometimes – uh, sports can transpire many different, you know, planes and different parts of the world. Um, we look, we, we look at what's going on here in the United States, and then we look at the solidarity movement that's happening in Europe. I think that's pretty indicative of how wide-ranging um, racism has, uh, you know, affected every inch and piece of the game. I definitely remember reading a lot of articles about the Italian soccer league and bananas being thrown at players. And, you know, you can only feel like this, this, this world can not continue to be that crazy. Uh, and, and that much um, hate has been developed and built up that, you know, it, it's, it's come to a point where it's come to a head where some of our most favorite um, human beings, some of the people that our kids will look up to, you know, like the uh, Paul Pogba's of the world or whatever happened, you know, whatever superstar in the, in the league happens to be, you know, and what they do and what they stand for does have long lasting impact on the future, I think. And uh, just a little quirk of what happened today uh, versus the Man City versus Burnley game is uh, airplane was riding over and uh, it was flying a banner that said uh, white lives matter. And it also had the uh, tag on it that said Burnley. And uh, you know, this, this is just something that it's kind of beyond belief that uh, you know, that that was going on during the game. But um, I, I just wanted to say that I, I congratulate 
the EPL uh, for allowing their players to take part in what something that they believe in. And, um, you know, hopefully we'll start to evolve and uh, accept different viewpoints and structures that way here in the States. And I, I think it's kind of interesting how um, if we want to melt back to our football here in the United States, a player like Colin Kaepernick was such um, an outspoken, controversial person. And even at the time, I, I didn't know exactly what uh, Colin Kaepernick was standing for. Or that, there was some skepticism there. But, you know, truly people are getting behind the movement because the numbers don't lie. The, the, the historic value of, of all the things that have happened have amalgamated into the situation where we just know that, that it's got to stop. And, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement is a meaningful, powerful thing. And uh, to see it happening in sports is something that's vivid, eye-opening, direct, and impactful. So that, that's, I think that's all I want to say at this time. That's a really good, uh, succinct way of wrapping up that that side of the uh, the discussion. Um, I hate to transition from a heavy subject into a lighter subject, um, but the uh, the Bundesliga did wrap up while we were um, in between episodes. Uh, we do, you know, everyone was watching the Bundesliga for a few weeks, uh, you know, just trying to get any sort of live soccer in their in their system. Um, and Bayern did wrap up their eighth straight title for that league. Uh, which is pretty insane. Um, but at least the because they wrapped up the title, we got to see a lot of young Americans take the field. Um, Byron had a young center back, Chris Richards, who's uh, a U20 international for the, for the national team. Um, Gio Reyna at Borussia Dortmund, Tyler Adams at RB Leipzig, uh, Weston McKinney as usual for Schalke. You know, lots of great young American players are getting game time in the Bundesliga, which is great to see. And, um, just something to watch for as fans of U.S. soccer. And I think that's pretty much all that we had in terms of reviewing the results from the weekend. Sean, is there anything else that you really picked up on over well, the weekend? You know, I uh, over the weekend, I just wanted to say uh, the game, it, 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 it's still soccer. Uh, it, it does have a weird flavor to it. We got a nine-man bench, five, five possible substitutions, three total subs, uh, that you, three three stoppages that each coach is allowed to make, and um, uh, we also kind of uh, made note that the, uh, there's a water break, uh, so it kind of chops the game into quarters. Uh, this actually looks more like a coach's timeout at, at this point, um, but all in all, I think this is done because the players aren't in full game shape. They got to play a lot of games over a short duration of time. I think this weekend upcoming is the FA Cup. And, you know, with that being uh, said, you know, we're going to start seeing an, uh, an overlay of more and more games, lots of midweek games. And uh, you got to keep the players fresh. And I've noticed that a lot of these coaches aren't necessarily having um, – a traditional lineup each game because they they have to think about what the next game might look like, uh, how to keep the legs fresh. And, you know, I just want to say, uh, in addition to that, that I, I keep in contact with some different coaches from around the area. <clears throat> and if you're a coach right now and you're, you're looking at players and you're, you're 
you know, starting to get back out there in some scrimmages and practices and things like that. Uh, you know, the, the word from a lot of the medical teams is, you know, don't think that these guys are ready to come back playing right now. Don't think they're at 100 percent. Don't uh, schedule your practices to run at 100 percent level, because a lot of these guys, even these youngsters, especially, you know, these high school players and stuff like that, they're going to have to take a little bit longer to get back into shape. But we know <laughs> We know that young people are resilient. They'll, they'll get their bodies back and it will come back in time. But just to be more cognizant about the, the amount of time that we've kind of taken off due to the COVID thing, um, unfortunately, has caused us to have to make some um, amendments. I also thought it was interesting that a lot of these uh, players, the way that they could celebrate goals or the way that they would bring them onto the field or the way that there was no ball boys during the game. So the ball, when it goes out of bounds, sometimes doesn't get put back into play um, at, at a rate that you would think that the game could be go, 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 go. There's, you know, the, so there's a little quirks, but, you know, hey, I mean, what the hell? It's still soccer. At the end of the day, that's what we want to see is, you know, those players compete. So, you know, overall, I'm, I'm, I'm happy about it. I just I just felt like maybe – um, maybe, maybe I'm the only one, but I think that a lot of people kind of have felt, you know, a little bit like this is a knee jerk kind of like stop start type of thing. And, you know, I will say this, it, I do appreciate the, um, the efforts that NBC has been making to put crowd volume in. And for the most part, I actually think that they did a really good job of finding the right tempo at the right time. Although today when the guys were taking the knee for the Black Lives Matter, they had background crowd noise for, <laughs> for about two seconds. And I was like, oh, come on, NBC. Get, get, get your head out of your ass. But overall, this is a it was a it was a pretty good. Uh, it, it's a it's a pretty good under these circumstances right now. It's a pretty good uh, product that they're putting out on the field. Perfect. Well, I think that kind of wraps up the uh, the weekend action. Um, I think we're going to transition now into our first guest appearance of the uh, the young show. Um, so we have Eric Wazowski here with us. Um, basically, the idea behind having guests on the show is we want to like dig down into the community here in Toledo. Um, you know, really understand you know who the fans are of the game, who plays the game, who are the coaches, who referees. You know, try to get the stories from these individuals out so that everyone can kind of understand you know what what it's like to be a soccer person in the, in this area. So, uh, so Eric, how's it, how's it going? How's you get to see the, how the sausage is made here? <laughs> is it, is it exciting for you? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm glad this is something that's come to fruition. I know Sean talked about it for a while. I know you reached out to me a couple, couple months ago thinking that this is something that you guys are going to do. I'm just, I'm just happy to be a part of it. Uh, and I'm happy to be here today. So thanks. Thanks for having me on. Cool. Um, so Eric's a, a pretty familiar face that I, I see at the uh, full 90 a lot. Um, yeah, Eric, you want to just tell us about um, how you came into the soccer world and how you ended up in Toledo? So this is going to be a really long story, so bear with me, everyone that's listening. I promise that uh, I'll get somewhere here by the end of it. So I was born in Mansfield, Ohio, about two hours away from here. Okay. Came to Toledo. Uh, I'm a college of pharmacy student here in my last year, uh, about to be uh, a doctor of pharmacy here. And during my time at the university, I was a resident advisor in one of the halls. And I was just walking through campus one day, and I had a, there was a guy I saw wearing a Portland Timbers jacket. And this was probably a day or two after 
the infamous double post, uh, Portland beats Kansas City, <laughs> and penalty kick shootouts goes about nine rounds. A uh, guy from Kansas City hits the post, hits the other side of the post, and bounces out. Portland ends up winning. So I tell the guy, I'm like, hey, great game last night. And he looks and goes, hey, thanks. I had no idea who he was. Ran into him about a week and a half later wearing a Liverpool jacket. He lived in my resident hall. And he goes, wait, didn't I just see you last week on campus? I said, oh, yeah, dude, what's up? Turns out uh, this was Brent Schoenbeck. Uh, it turns out he became one of my best friends. I didn't even know him at the time. So he really got me into the Toledo soccer community. He told me about this guy, Sean Hoover, and that he had um, a soccer bar called the Full 90 in Maumee. He said, hey, you should try to come on out. He's trying to start a new thing here in Toledo about just having a place to watch soccer on the weekends. And I said, absolutely. You know what? I'll definitely come out. I'll definitely support him. So I, I don't even remember the first game I went to. I think it might have been like an FA Cup final. I can tell you why you didn't remember. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I, I, I think it was an FA Cup final. And I went there, and it was just a great crowd and a great, a great time. And I knew from that moment that this was definitely going to be a place that I wanted to go to going forward. So that's how I really got into the Toledo soccer community. Brent turns out to be um, a really good guy, born and raised here in Toledo. Started his own fan group for a local soccer team. Used to be called Toledo United, now called Toledo Villa FC. Uh, they play both at St. John's, uh, which is most recently where they played. They previously played at Sylvania Northview. Um, and then this year before coronavirus hit, they were scheduled to play a full season at the University of Toledo. Just a small team here. In Toledo, we have a great group of guys, a great group of supporters that we go to matches to. Uh, we go home and away. I've had some of the best experiences going to some of the away matches. Um, and I've re- I'm really glad that I ran into him the way that I did because w- without those two run-ins, I- I'm not sure I'd even be here right now doing this podcast with you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how I really got acclimated here in the Toledo area. Nice. Yeah. That's, that's fresh, man. That's, yeah. That, you know, uh, it, it, it just takes like one – one to become two, two to become four, kind of thing. You Absolutely, know? and that's you. What were the the name of uh, Brent's uh, uh, group? Is the Black Swamp? Black Swamp, right? Yeah, Black Swamp Brigade. That that's our group here, founded uh, by Brent himself and his best friend Adam. Yeah, and they they've been there from the Toledo United days. I didn't I did not know them at that time. Uh, when they were when they were Toledo United, they were, they were at Springfield. That's they, yeah, they were yeah. playing at Springfield. They were running things. I never knew them. I mean, this team was scoring four or five goals a game. They went to the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, um, that, that was a really good team. I didn't know the team at that time. I came in the following year when they were the first year as Toledo Villa mm-hmm. play, playing at Northview. And even then, they had, they had a good season. They got hosed the last, last game of the season. We were going to win in advance, uh, draw or lose, and you go home. It was a away game at Muskegon. And we were winning the game, and they, they have a shot. It goes out for a goal kick. The ref calls a corner in the 92nd minute. It was clearly a goal kick. Ref calls a corner. Muskegon throws everyone up, scores a game-winning or a game-tying header. We tied the game, uh, and so we ended up lo- we ended up finishing the division third or fourth and missing out on the playoffs on goal difference. <laughs> so it was a real, real terrible way. Quiet to go bus out. ride home. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that was that was not a, not a fun game. Uh, pre- the next year, though, we did we did rebound and we did. Did make the playoffs and that, that was a good year, but it's just gut wrenching first first way to end the year. And those those of you listening, Eric is wearing his original. Uh, this is the first year's uh, Toledo Villa kit with the even got the Premier League of America. Oh yeah, we, we got we got, we got the the, the, 
that was the yeah. league that they were in at the at the time before they moved up to the uh, National Premier Soccer League. So yeah, this is a that's quite the throwback you've got on there. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, <laughs> dude. You know, you, I I can tell you that the Black Swap Brigade is something that has that awesome energy. It might not be the largest group. It, it really has the potential to become a bigger group. Um, I would suggest anybody to go out there and take a look at like Facebook and maybe link up on that group just to see what that's about. Um, as you know, um, as, as I've mentioned before to many of the people that I see, you know, my summertime, I look forward to my team uh, in my city that I, you know, kind of, you know, take a, upon myself as Detroit um, and the DCFC uh, brand. We actually had an opportunity to play against Toledo Villa mm-hmm. Um, you know, at least first season, which was kind of interesting. Um, yeah, but it's you guys. But that's okay. I thought I thought it would be. I thought the I thought the um, I thought that the groundwork was being laid for Toledo. You know, and I thought that you know I knew for sure. I ha- I mean, there's always a chance, but I, I had a feeling that Detroit was years in advance of you know having a system put together in place and players and things like this development um but i looked at it as an exciting moment because uh at that point i'm like well maybe maybe make it a three-year plan maybe make it a five-year plan and maybe in five years we'll have the i-75 battle that we really really want and we really deserve you know and hopefully uh a thing like the uh, black swamp brigade would be able to grow uh and kind of multiply in numbers much like uh dcfc's crew out there does and you know it's it's one of those things where uh once it's it's like this you know uh i i don't know if if i'm saying if i say this the wrong way or not but it's like you have to dip your foot in the pool before you start swimming and like we you know, I, I haven't had many conversations with the ownership of Villa, but I have before. And, you know, it's it's one of those things where you you really want to get like a good base, uh, good base that can be influential on the public. Toledo kind of needs to get maybe we need to look deeper into the cracks and find people who just maybe never experienced got caught up in in something like this. And it's just, mm. you know, you we can make. A one-one game, super exciting. We can make a two-nil game, you know, exciting just with the crowd behind you. I mean, those are the kind of things that, you know, that that kind of, you know, the the Northern Guard I think is probably one of the most intimidating things for somebody to come come to our house in Detroit, right? I mean, the truth of the matter is, the Northern Guard had to start from a small group mm-hmm. too, and you know what they decided to do is be big, bold. Uh, brand themselves in a way that allowed for so many open platforms. So many people could just come in and be a part of it, pick up a, a, you know, pick up a banner, pick up a drum, pick up, you know, some smoke and, and really just make it an intimidating, fun, raucous place. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's some swearing and things like that going on in the crowd. Maybe it's not super family friendly, but you know, it also is eye catching. And, and if we look at things, you know, putting a brand together, that's part of what the whole package is. And, you know, one thing I can tell you about Brent and one thing I can tell you about anybody who's in the Black Swamp is they are passionate. They, they have the passion. They have the roots. They are the anchor here in Toledo. 
and you know more branches need to be coming off that tree so that the seats at the stadium will be filled and you know i can honestly say that i've been to some of those games where brent's the only guy and he's the one man drum and he is there and he is not ashamed to be louder and loud he's as loud as you know 30 other fans 50 other fans on the other side because he he just will not allow himself to be drowned out you know with the energy that it brings and you know I just want to say one thing, and this is just something that's starting to happen in the soccer world, at least for me, is that, you know, Eric talked about the idea that he had what literally, I'm not saying you didn't have friends, but you didn't have like any, anywhere to put your soccer energy. Oh, right? absolutely. And and, absolutely. The, and the way that it just, if I recall the story correctly here, just from a moment ago, the way that you found that was through essentially somebody wearing a jersey. Yes, absolutely. That's exactly what it was. And, and, you know, what I'm starting to see right now is that that's how I make contact. I wear my Arsenal stuff out. I wear my full 90 stuff out. People go, full 90? Village idiot. I've, I, I, I heard about this thing. What are you doing over there? Like, they, they ask a question. It's already a calling card, right? They, they already – I mean, this is like a – this is like a – I'm not saying like a secret society, but it's just like something where the average American doesn't assume that I could just sit down at a bar with five other people. If I if I just sat down with five other strangers, I don't think I could sit down and start talking about, you know, how Christian Pulisic put a ball in the back of the net this past weekend. You know, I mean, no, no – and that's an American, and we're here on American soil. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's, – it's one of those things where I, I guess I'm just going to ask you, you know – I mean, how how did you take it when you came into the full ninety? I mean, did, did you did you you know did you just like kind of go, oh, I see where this is going, I see what Brent was saying, or what? Well, how, oh, how was it? Oh, absolutely. Again, I, I, if I recall correctly, it was the FA Cup final. I think it was Arsenal Chelsea, whichever year that was. And I just remember coming in, and there was so there it was divided. There was a lot of a lot of Arsenal people. I know you're an Arsenal mm-hmm. fan, so I know you had a bunch a bunch mm-hmm. of Arsenal guys there. Uh, I know Christian is a huge. Uh, Chelsea supporter there. I know a couple of the Chelsea supporters. So it was just, it wasn't like super packed. Like I, I could definitely get up to the bar, I could get a drink. There were, it was enough space to walk and talk. But I remember just being there and just the atmosphere. I'm like, these are all people that enjoy the same game I do that I didn't even knew, know about here in the city of Toledo. Like you walk around, you know, you got the walleye here in Toledo, you got Toledo Rockets, like you got uh, the Mud Hens baseball. I didn't realize that there was such a strong soccer community here in Toledo until I came to the full 90. So I'm so glad that I came out and glad that where it took off from there. You know, and I would say the same thing is that, you know, like it was kind of like, it was kind of like, I, I hate to keep on belaboring like an old story, but it, it sits in your bones a little bit when you're, when you're thinking to yourself, okay, uh, I'm going to show up to this bar. I'm going to open the doors. Uh, I'm going to have about, a three month ramp up to just kind of get the word out a little bit, you know, and I, I didn't know, I just kind of just said this, that we need to have this, you know what I mean? And um, there wasn't a lot of people, you know, that were obvious soccer fans. So it was like, okay, well, you know, we're going to open up at seven 30 in the morning and <laughs> we're going to give it a shot and we're just going to kind of, you know, play it by ear. And, you know, it's, I mean, you know, hey, and and what ends up happening is you start finding a, a little by little by little 
uh, you start finding that subculture that really kind of clicks together. And, you know, I've been pining to have, you know, I've been pining to have the ability to interact with the people who are making things happen in Toledo. Um, I've been kind of pining to have that, that energy that I was putting behind a bar. Uh, Oh, I wanted to put it towards something that I think had more meaningful purpose, at least for my life, because, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, this is this is a, a, a sport, um, a beautiful game that just doesn't leave me. I, I mean, even if I'm, I was talking to these guys before this uh, podcast and it was like, you know, uh, you know, the <laughs> don't get old. Remember, I can't remember when the little kid was getting his face shaking. It's like, don't ever get old, you know, and I was at Adam Sandler doing don't get old, kid. Don't ever get old. And I was talking about these old creaky knees I got and. You know, uh, going back to some of the Father's Day's talk, I remember my dad, you know, he kind of picked up from some of the trainers, the talk and the lingo. And it was always like, see it out, see it out. And, you know, you always thought about even if you're tired, dog tired or hurt or whatever, you always finished your plays. Even if the ball looked like it was going out, you still hustled it down because that one time that the water, you know, on the field kept it in bounce. You got to sneak in, take it, and go in for the goal, you know, and then you realize that there's, you know, 100 runs you make, you don't get the ball, you know, out of 100 times you don't get the ball. But on the 101st, if you make that run and he makes that pass, the thing gets completed. And, you know, when I think about, you know, that bar, is like, you know, 100 times I probably opened that thing and had three people. And then, you know, the 101st, when it was a nice rivalry or something like that, you know, it's like, hey, we got more people. And. I can just say a test to Eric's uh, Eric. <laughs> Eric's a, a loud person. He he, <laughs> he really gets behind. He gets behind. He has that passion behind Newcastle, and I can tell you that you know there's been some times <laughs> that he's he's been joyous, and there's been some times that he leaves a little butt hurt, you know, from his team not uh, competing at the highest level. But I think that he, you know. <laughs> I think that he he definitely opened the owner of the idiots uh, eyes, Nikki, when he was buying <laughs> drinks for the whole bar. When when uh, Newcastle decided to uh, light it up and wake up the, in the first half, he walks in with this loud, "All right, Newcastle scores! I'm buying drinks for the whole bar!" And everybody goes, "Holy shit! Let's all become Newcastle fans <laughs> today!" You know, and uh, I, we probably made him go broke or something like that. Honestly, I I remember the first time I did that. It, you can go back to the standings right now. You can look at Newcastle. Uh, we're joint lowest goal scoring team in the league with Norwich <laughs> right now, but we're also 13th, I think, right now. Like we're totally safe, so it's okay. We win very tight games. However, we've scored 28 goals, I believe, this year. You, you can fact check me on that. Pretty sure it's 28 goals through 30 games, so less than a goal a game. So we're not scoring. So I go in there. I'm like, I'm buying a shot for every every Newcastle goal. And we had the band from the night before that was coming and cleaning up. And I sit down. <laughs> yeah, we're playing Manchester United on the road. I'm like, There's no chance we win this game. We're seven minutes in. And Jose Lu, yeah, doesn't even play for the team anymore. He's over in Spain. He was that bad. Is through on goal, and it's one nothing seven minutes in. I said, oh, shit. What do you all want? So we're pouring shots and everything. Life's great. We all, by the time we pour them and take them, we look back up at the game. And next thing you know, there's a ball through. Next thing, oh. They just scored again off a corner kick. It's two nothing within eleven minutes. I'm like, this is, I swear, this never happens. But if this is what it takes for Newcastle to finally start scoring, 
I'm all about it. We end up losing the game 4-2. So <laughs> that just goes to show the most Newcastle thing. That was the quickest that was the quickest round of shots, though. I swear. We I by the time I had the first round made, I turned around, goal <laughs> scored again, two nothing, and we go everybody at the bar is cheering. Like they, they thought this thing could never la- you know, never end. So it was like, you know, it it was like lightning struck twice and everybody was drinking on Eric's dollar. So that was uh it was a pretty fun day. Hey, that, that was money well spent right there. Um this, the second game that I remember that – I mean, I did it most of the time, but I definitely remember the second time where I was very, very loud. It was a midweek game. It was a Monday game, so not even really midweek, but it was Monday. We're playing Manchester City the year that – I guess it was just last year where they ran the league. I think they only lost three times all year and a handful of ties. But Newcastle came on and we're down one nothing in the first minute. I'm like, all right, this is how this game's going. We're losing 5 nothing. guarantee it. We get – a lucky, a lucky ball over the top. Solomon Rondon grabs a goal, and late in the game we get a, a terribly passed ball, and and Matt Ritchie gets on the end of it, or maybe it was Matt or Sean Longstaff. I can't remember exactly. Wins a penalty kick, and I'm just going crazy. It's a Monday, and like everyone at the at the Village Inn is like, "Is this count some crack or something? <laughs> like, what is going on?" And Sean just looks at me like, "Dude." Calm down, like, dude. You understand we're about to beat Manchester City. No, I'm allowed to be like, dude. You gotta calm down. <laughs> this dude was at 11 out of 10, man. Easily, he was on easily. He was, he was definitely the lot. He was a, a, yeah. You could see why he's such a good, uh, you know, fan in the stands because it, we, it, he was overpowering the speakers. It was, it was like, it was like a one man band, dude. It, it was that was awesome though. It was oh absolutely I, I I regret absolutely nothing about that night. Yeah, I mean, and and you know another another little quirky thing about Eric in the soccer world is he he uh, I I was looking for um, I I decided early on that the full ninety you know originally I had intentions of being an Arsenal centric type situation. Mm-hmm. People can still know that I love being a gunner, but you know I mean it's just one of those things where, you know, it, it was going to take, it was going to take a little bit more than that. It was going to make, uh, it was going to be a house for all soccer fans, uh, primarily, you know, like EPL fans, but you know, all soccer fans. And, uh, Eric went out and, uh, he kind of researched a little bit and helped me recreate the logo that for what we have at the full 90. And I thought that was really cool. Because again, as we talk about the 32 panels, you know, again, it's like it's like this, you know. Everybody has their traits, everybody has their skills, everybody has a thing that they do. And for me, you know, I can only do so much. And really, I kind of got to this impasse or hit a wall where I was like, ah, I, I don't know what I should do. You know, I, I, I originally had this original plan, but. I know it had to shift a little bit, right? You know, it had to shift to be more open-minded, um, more accepting of, of – it, 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 that would show that it was more accepting for all different people. So, you know, and, and, and you know, I mean, there was guys who were Spurs fans who were like, oh, that's that Arsenal bar. They suck, you know, or whatever. I mean, I don't know. So, uh, you know, Eric, Eric helped me out make the new logo. Um, I think it's pretty cool. I mean, it's simple, but it's cool, and it kind of gets across the point of what the full ninety is. So, I mean, you know, it's like I don't know. It's it's it was it it was again another 
another little thing that people around the community that you bump into, you know, start to do. Yeah. And uh, we need a, a logo for our podcast as well. <laughs> I know uh, if people have looked at our Facebook page, we've got kind of a placeholder image right now. So if you are interested, we could <laughs> use the help for that. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about Newcastle and, you know, your stories about, you know, the games that you've seen at the bar. Um, just out of curiosity, can you explain why you are a Newcastle fan to those who, who don't know the story? Oh, it's a, it's a crazy story. So I got into playing travel soccer when I was uh, about 10 or 11 years old. And when I joined this travel soccer team, I knew nothing about the English Premier League. Uh, I just watched MLS. It was local product. I go to Columbus game for my birthday every year. So that was one of my birthday presents. So when I joined this team, like, oh, who do you cheer for in England? I said, there's a league in England you guys want? <laughs> and at the time, Man U was running that league. Sir Alex Ferguson absolutely just demolishing the competition. So you had a lot of Man U uh, fans on the team. You had a lot of Chelsea fans on the team. Uh, and that was about it. You maybe had a Liverpool here or there. So you basically were picking Man U or Chelsea. Uh, I fell on the Chelsea side. Uh, as a goalkeeper, I, I got behind Petr Cech. Uh, I really like that. But I'm like, I don't want to just pick a team off just what, what my, my, my teammates are going off of. So although I still, I still, deal, cheer, do, still cheer for Chelsea um, on occasion, I fell in love with Newcastle because we were watching, we were watching some games. Uh, Shea Given was the goalkeeper at the time. Absolutely loved him. A great Irish Irish player was was just fantastic. Love watching him play. Um, and although I'm not someone who really cares for strikers, just because I'm always defending them, uh, they had a man. I don't know. I think he scored a goal or two at the time, named Alan Shear. Might have scored a goal or two in the Premier League. I don't know. Um, he was a striker at the time. It was his last year. And I'm like, dude, this guy, this guy's a baller. Well, so it started with that, and then there, became, there, there was a movie in 2004, uh, Goal of oh Begins. It was, and I mean, I was, I was a 9- or 10-year-old kid at the time, uh, and this kid grows up to become a soccer player and plays for Newcastle. So like, just at that, I'm like, wow, this kid can go from, from absolutely nothing off the streets of, of L.A., <laughs> yeah. smuggling across the border from Mexico to playing for Newcastle and being the star to take their team to the, the Champions League. Like, who can't resonate with that? Who doesn't want – who doesn't dream of that? Uh, so after I'm like, you know, what? I I could definitely get behind this team, and then Mike Ashley takes over, and it's all downhill from there. But I'm like, you know what? If you look at the fan, all of, at the end of the day, the fans of Newcastle are absolutely insane. They are by far the most passionate fans. They'll turn up for the worst product on the field. There there was a quote one time that someone in the in the fans had, had a sign that said, "We don't demand a team that wins. We demand a team that tries." And anyone that goes out there, they're, they're pouring their soul and their heart out for that team, even if they're not the best player technically. But they definitely have the most heart, and they're always going to go out there, and they're always going to try. Um, and I love fans that get behind a team no matter what. They, they, they're they, not fair weather. Newcastle, for any uh, that aren't familiar with the geography of England, they're basically in Scotland. They're the northeast part of England. They're, call them Scotland at that point. It is cold. It is rainy most of the time. It is snowy half the year. But they turn up every single game. That place is sold out. And who, who doesn't want to play for that as a soccer player? Who doesn't want all the fans behind you? So I definitely, definitely got behind them for that reason. And, you know, Eric, um, another thing that I really respect about you is uh, your commitment and passion to the game on multiple levels and, you know, multiple political sides of it as well. 
Um, you are, correct me if I'm wrong, you're, you're a Columbus Crew uh, season ticket holder? Yeah, I was. Uh, started in the 2017 season, I be, or 2006, end of 2016, beginning of 2017, I became a season ticket holder. We actually canceled our season tickets ahead of this upcoming season. My fiance, Kristen, went to school at Capital University down in Columbus, so it was an excuse for me to go down and see her, uh, even during school. It was an excuse for me to see her. It gave us uh, Saturday or Sunday night, uh, date night at the crew game, followed by a bar or two afterwards. So it was a really great uh, excuse to go down uh, and see her and, and go support the team that we love. But yeah, yeah. We, we were, for two years, you were season ticket holder. And I mean, while you're in med school, you're making it like basically Columbus crew is kind of like a central hub or, or a way to look at a calendar and circle what dates you're going down there. Oh, most and, definitely. And that became intertwined with the relationship that you have with your girlfriend, right? Yeah, it was, uh, we were season ticket holders. I was an RA at the time, so I'd have circled every single home match. And we'd have matches like, all right, if we had to choose one we couldn't go to, which one would we be willing to sacrifice? Even though it was none of them. We wanted to go to every single game. So I'd try my absolute best to say, okay, I really can't be either on duty this weekend or I can't work at the hospital this weekend. Like, there's a home game. Like, I have to be down there. At least don't schedule me for first shift on Sunday. Like, if you schedule me a second shift on Sunday, I can make it back for that. But but give me Saturday off so I can go and watch my team and cheer for my team because that's that's something that we both love to do. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, made me kind of – uh, bait you or ask you about this is because I know that when you come to the full 90, um, you make it well known that you're a Columbus crew fan, uh, you know, and that was, that's a big project of yours. You know, I guess what I was going to say is that there was rumblings that the team was going to be falling by the wayside and that was going to be a original team and the MLS was going to be let go primarily due to greed. If if you look at it, it was going to move to, you know, quote unquote, the hot popular spot of uh, Austin. And, oh, yeah. And, you know, something in in me like kind of like was irked by that. And, and I'm not a huge MLS fan um, at all, but it's it's nice that we have you know, something that's branded as professional soccer and, you know, something that we um, you know, that you, you can see that it's growing and it's becoming better and better, the, the product. And, you know, I, I would say that it, 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 as a guy who's a Red Wings fan, you know, like making that, making that comparison, I, I've always thought like original six, you know, like the original teams, the original investors in a league who, who really stuck their neck out, you know, the cities that really got behind something. And, you know, maybe that made attendance go flat a little bit. Maybe, you know, you just take things for granted after a little while. Mm-hmm. And maybe the league didn't give you guys the best schedule either, did they? Oh, no. I mean, we have people oh, – I'll tell – I'll say that I'm, I'm a huge supporter of Save the Crew and that I tried to be as influential as possible. But I know there are people uh, that did so much more than I did um, in comparison that really researched everything about – the schedule, everything behind Precourt, everything behind his release clause. When he bought the team, he had a release clause in there saying that he's not allowed to move the team unless it was to Austin, Texas. So you, you knew that when he bought this team, he had every intention to take it to Austin, Texas. And I, I have nothing against uh, the people of Austin. If I were them, I'd want a team as well. Just 
not my team. This this is my team here in Columbus that I cheer for, that I grew up watching. I'd love for you guys to get an own t- your own team on your own accord, which you guys ended up doing, which is great. So uh, I'm happy for them to have their own team, but I, I can't stand anything to do with it, with their owner. And if you look at the schedule, like you mentioned, they were giving us uh, Seattle Sounders, who they claim to invent fandom here in the U.S. They claim to invent everything. Yes, yeah. No one around the league likes Seattle unless you're from Seattle. But they're a high-market team. They have Clint Dempsey, U.S. national team star. So when you schedule them, you know you're going to have fans showing up to your games. They'd always give us a Wednesday game whenever we host mm-hmm. in Seattle. Yeah. Or a Wednesday game when we host LA Galaxy. LA Galaxy. Yeah. Actually, I took my friends to that game last year. Um, before uh, the official change when they had the schedule built, we had LA Galaxy on a Wednesday. I took two of my friends that aren't soccer fans. I took them down to uh, a game on a Wednesday to see Zlatan play uh, for LA Galaxy against the Columbus crew into winning that match, which was fantastic. But yeah, LA Galaxy, if you look over the course of the entirety of MLS, if you're going to say who are the namesake teams, LA Galaxy is going to be number one. They had David Beckham made that immaculate move when he moved from England to LA. Like that's, that's what really put MLS on the map was, was him coming to LA and then uh, Robbie Keane, Steven Gerrard following behind him as Zlatan all going to LA. Like LA was, is the marquee team that everyone knows about worldwide. You got DC United, you got big names there. So why schedule them on Wednesday? It's because they're trying to beat around and give Columbus uh, the raw end of the deal there. So I'm hoping that'll change, but yeah, and everything around that, uh, with Save the Crew. I just want to say thank you to you, Sean. You let us use the full 90 on one occasion as a, a Save the Crew chant when this was all going down. Uh, there was a video of uh, me saying where I was, what we're doing, who we are, and we just walk into a full-pack bar. Soccer Bunch fans. soccer fans. And even there, there was the band setting up for, for that night that yeah. were in there just joining in with us. They had no idea what we were, but you're like, if they're passionate about it, yeah, we'll get behind it. This year, just stay, save the crew yeah. over and over and over and over. Yeah, see, that's something cool about the fans that we kind of create. The, the situation that we have right now is that you know the people, the people want to get behind the right things, and even if they're you know just outsiders, uh, out uh, you know like just semi, uh, you know uh, semi involved with the soccer fan base, they kind of know that you know they'll 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 get behind the right things and um yeah coming into the, the full 90 there the village idiot kind of like you know the, that you know that 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 hour where it kind of like starts to change from the oh, soccer yeah. bar into like the music venue into like the family like uh dining period you know that's like it's like uh, very interesting to watch how uh it just keeps on rolling and rolling and mm-hmm. rolling but we had a whole bar it was, oh, it, it was packed. packed. It was packed. And, then. and you know, uh, one of the things that happened within like the next couple of weeks that I thought was pretty cool is that every week you would go down there and you would body paint yourself and you were somehow, you know, just that much of a boisterous character. I, I guys, I promise you, Eric's got this, Eric's got this, uh, Tigger the Tiger type of, uh, a- attitude. He's got a young, uh, just spirit that just throws a lot of energy at anything that he does. And you can see that's why he's going to be a successful pharmacist uh, when he gets out there in the world. But he's he's got so much uh, exuberance about everything. And so, I mean, I think it, it the, the people who are cameramen or whatever just couldn't help but take pictures and kind of make you one of the faces of the Save the Crew 
uh, movement, which is so sweet to me. You know, I'd like to say that I'm not the face, but I'll just say I'm the body. <laughs> uh, a couple, a couple of uh, magazine clippings there. The cover of uh, Columbus Alive. Uh, the more I want to say hipster, but more of uh, uh, the mainstream. Uh, younger magazine of the time. I was a cover of that. I was on the Columbus Dispatch. My actually, my family, for one of my Christmas wow. gifts that year, they got me a mug with that picture on it. <laughs> I got a picture of them on the mug, and then they got a framed photo, like an eight eight and a half by eleven uh, framed picture of that uh, magical night on Halloween in 2017. It was our first game after. Uh, our then owner Anthony Precourt announced that he was trying to move the team. It was our first game since that. He made the announcement. I'm not going to lie. At a time where he thought, you know what, the season's over. My team's going down. We're playing Atlanta in Atlanta in a knockout game. They're going to smack us around. We're going to be done. Everyone's going to forget about it. We go in there. Zach Steffen, U.S. men's national team goalkeeper, had the game of his career that night. We we went on penalties and we had come back to host New York City. In a game where they announced 16,000, that thing was packed. That that stadium was sold out, and, and they announced 16,000. Even even the coach, Greg Berhalter, said, yeah, there was more than 16,000 there. But Kristen, Kristen body painted me for that match. It was the first time I did. We were standing front row in the Nordeca, the, the supporters section there. Uh, it was just a crazy, crazy atmosphere for that first game. And uh, the picture – that was on the club with the dispatch was after the third goal, we went up three, nothing. And that was just pandemonium. That section was just crazy. It was at that moment, like, you know what? We're going to save this team. And I think that was the real moment. We're like, you know what? We can do it. We weren't supposed to beat Atlanta. And we did, we weren't supposed to, to get past New York city. And we did, you know what? We're going to go on and we're going to save this team. And looking back on it, we did. And it's just great to be able to talk about it all. That was a rush, man. I, I actually was, actually glued to all those games you know that that was an unbelievable run that was the little little engine that could you know yeah great um i guess one one question i have for you yeah it's kind of a it's a mean question but oh. but if you were to rank your three teams newcastle columbus crew toledo villa how would you rank them in your brain man it, it's so, it's so tough to rank them because they all have, they all play a different part in, in my life. Cause you get, you got a Columbus crew that that's the first team that I ever watched play. It's the first game I ever went to. So, I mean, it'd be tough to not. This is like me asking Jake, if you have to rank your kids, <laughs> if you, if you look at your kids right now and you had to rank your kids, what, you know, no, I'm just kidding. Well, I think if you're using that logic here, my grandmother, Although she never admitted, even though she sort of did, uh, if any of my family is listening to this, you know this story. Uh, my grandmother was actually being scam called one time, and it was this guy out in L.A. And she and he called the house. He he knew my grandmother by name, or at least knew that she had grandkids. And he called and said, "Hey, grandma, it's your favorite grandson." And she goes, "Eric." <laughs> so it was at that moment that uh, I had topped uh, my brother Mitchell. Uh, love you, Mitch. Um, but but I'm, I'm Grandma's favorite. So even by that standard, if you got to say the firstborn, it's got to be Columbus Crew number one. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then if you got to pick number two from there, I I think I'm going to put Toledo Villa just ahead of Newcastle because although I, I cheer for Newcastle and I love everything they stand for, 
it's a team that I support fr- from abroad. I, I've never been to a match. I've never been to the city, even though those are things that are on my bucket list. And I know I'll get to them at some point, but I've never really been there. I don't feel like I've really enjoyed the true atmosphere, the true culture of the city. It's just a, from a distance. And which means it doesn't mean I, I can't support them and can't love what they stand for, but I think for that reason I had to put them three, and then I'll put I'll put Toledo Villa there number two because it's something more tangible. It's something that has been a grassroots movement that I've been able to be a part of. So I'll definitely I'll throw them number two, but I'll still give the edge uh, to my first love there, Columbus. You know, I think that's a real good answer because I was just as you were answering that I was writing to myself, you know. I used to go to these uh, soccer camps over, um, you know, the summer. And I remember, like, these these guys were bigger than life to me. And it was the Detroit Rockers indoor soccer uh, <laughs> team. And I was, like, just blown away by these guys, man. You know, they all had the nicknames. And, you know, I can remember a couple nicknames uh, right off the top of my head is we had uh, – Brian the Goose Finnerty and the Goose stood for like the the shutouts they would have, you know, the Goose Egg. And then we had Andy Superman Chapman. And, you know, he was such a sc- prolific scorer in the league. And, you know, he just had a little bit of extra flash and flair. And um, I can say that, like, you know, I kept a lot of that stuff, a lot of those memorabilia. And I remember going into Kobo watching these indoor soccer games, thinking that I was watching the biggest game in the world at, 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 at our city, you know, I thought that indoor soccer was the coolest thing. Um, and I could also kind of just felt like I, I got that guy's autograph. I met him. He coached me. He showed me how to play and, um, you know, making it kind of your first thing. I, I couldn't believe it. I saw, uh, Brian, uh, Brian Finnerty at the uh, DCFC games and his son's playing yeah. for DCFC. And I actually got about 15 minutes of talk time with him and uh, Dave Hebstreet, you know, oh, yeah, Hebs. the, the coach of uh, Toledo uh, United at the time, you know, he, he, I waved at him and I go up and I said, do I know that guy? You know, and I looked and I started talking to, to Brian and the, I just – it's so funny that my 40-year-old ass started feeling like the 13-year-old boy, maybe even the 12-year-old or 11-year-old or 10-year-old boy who went through some of those soccer camps. And I and I thought, wow, I'm talking to one of my childhood idols. Like this guy who could fly in the net and, you know, showed me, you know, different tactics to play in the game and – um you know, so so the first love, it, it really does. I mean, I think a first love of, of it has a real connectivity thing. You know, I, I think I love your answer. That's sorry for, you know, beloviating here, but no. just, you know, a little little extra to, to put on the on the hot dog there, you know, a little hot sauce there or something. <laughs> well, great. Um, I think I've run through all my my questions I had for, for Eric. Do you have any last questions sean before we uh, oh yeah you know i i think that eric i i'd like to ask you um you know as far as what you think first of all what you think toledo will look like you do you think where where do you think it goes where what do you because you're going to be from the best i understand you're going to be leaving this area 
Is that correct? Which is unfortunate because yeah. you have so much energy, passion, dedication to the game. But we wanted to get this interview in because we, we also wanted to kind of show how um, – let me, let me kind of think about how I was going to say it, but how dynamic just those one little relationships with another soccer person becomes, you know, kind of like, boom, you, you touch one area, then you go into another area and then mm-hmm. another area and bing, 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 all the energy is being thrown in a lot of different areas and the connectivity, right? So, oh, absolutely. So you're going to be moving out of this area or, you, you know, you, you leave, but you come back. Are we going to be in a better situation? How, what do you, what do you perceive about, uh, you know, the soccer life and it, especially at the Villa FC, I, I heard that they were having a new coach and they're looking to get bigger, you know, better. Yeah. It, it, it's tough to say for sure because we obviously didn't get to see this season pan out. Um, so I know they were looking at a coaching change, um, trying to get some new guys in, um, playing at a new stadium, hopefully trying to get more people out, a, a bigger crowd, maybe a different crowd uh, from people we've had in the past. I hope it's something that grows. As you mentioned, yeah, I, I am going to be leaving here uh, at the end of July. Uh, my last year of schooling is really dynamic. It's a lot of clinical rotations, and I'm going to be doing a lot of them in the Akron, Cleveland area. So I'll definitely be coming back to Toledo on, on occasion. I have some, some projects for schools that I'm still going to be working on, so I'll definitely be back in the area. But I'm hoping it's something that, that continues to grow Brent's leadership is fantastic. I know he's not afraid to be himself, and that's one of the many things I absolutely love about we him. We should definitely get him on the show. Oh, absolutely. We, we, we feel, I feel like uh, you know, you 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 know, he's been in a distant part of my brain. He's always there, but you know, I, I got to bring him to the frontal lobe and and bring him onto the show. Oh, absolutely. He'd be a great guest to have. Um, with with that, you know. Sorry for interrupting. No, with that, I, I'm going to give you another follow up, if if that's okay. Yeah. Is, is there the the last thing I would I would ask personally of you is, uh, you know, I go to those DCFC games, and sometimes mm-hmm. I can hear the echoes of things in my mind afterwards, and uh, those are usually the chants that we have. So, as a uh, Toledo Villa fan, uh, can you share with the the people out here that are listening to this as to um, maybe you might want to present us with one of your chants or what, oh, what wow. your favorite chant is. <laughs> oh, wow. We have we, we have a lot of different chants. And um, I want to just uh, shout out to Brent again because he came out. He came up with, with most of these. Uh, we tried to get away from a lot of the uh, American Outlaw generic chants that you're going to hear at every single MLS game. Uh, we do have some that are – Modified based off the Portland Timbers, which is Brent's favorite team. He has family out in the Portland area, and he's a Timbers fan. Uh, still a little salty here with uh, Columbus as Portland beat Columbus in the 2015 <laughs> MLS Cup. Uh, man, to pick, to pick one chant. Well, you don't have to pick one, but I mean, I'm just saying right now, you got to say one or, you know, <laughs> you know. I think, you know, I'm actually going to pick one that we came up with on, on the fly last year. Uh, last year, uh, in terms of the standings, was I think our worst year ever. Only had one win, maybe two. I can't. I can't recall. Um, but it was not very good. But one player that really stood out uh, to all of us was, was Eric Cotton. He was our goalkeeper, and there was just one game where I think he made like six or seven saves 
in the span of, of, of 10 minutes. And we're just looking at him like, this guy is insane. He, uh, he played actually for the Portland Timbers as well. He was on their uh, uh, youth academy team. He's from <laughs> Vancouver. Oh. Um, he, so he plays, he plays for Portland out there. He uh, played at Western Michigan, was a reserve goalkeeper, and is now playing at Pacific University. Um, very great guy. So there was one game like, dude, we got to have a chant for Cotton. Like he's, he's the, I feel like the only one in that game that was just showing any sort of effort. So he came up with, we've got Cotton, Eric Cotton. He's in goal. He's in goal. He's in goal, goal, goal. Na, 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 na. He's going to fight and give you hell. And that was what we just came <laughs> with on the fly. Brent came up with all of it. We said, you know what? Let's give it a go. So we're in the game, and every time he'd make, he'd make a save, we, we'd start that chant, and he'd look over at us, and he'd give us a thumbs up. And at the end of the game, he's like, how long did it take for you guys to come up with that? Like, we came up with it on the spot. It, it was Brent. We just we threw some lyrics together. We were hoping for the best. That was really cool. Uh, and from that moment, he was definitely one uh, of our players of the year. In my opinion, he was, he was our MVP just because every game that he played, he, he turned up and – I mean, if you look at the stats, we, we shipped a ton of goals that year, but it, it wasn't for a lack of goalkeeping. It was there was there wasn't a whole lot of continuity um, on the team. Uh, Aaron West, one of our center backs, was probably our, our most consistent player, but he was hurt for a while, so we just had a rotating door at, at center back and our left backs. Uh, they, they were quick, left and right back were, were both quick, but defensively they, they kind of struggled. So it's not easy when you're facing 15 shots a game to say, go out there and keep a clean sheet. <laughs> so, no. so I appreciated him. So that was a chant that we had dedicated to him that we came up with on the spot. Cotton the Canuck, man. He, he's, keeping, keeping, he's keeping the ball out of the net that day, huh? Oh, and it wasn't just that day. It was, it was all year. Oh, sweet. So it was great for him. Obviously, when, when I heard that he transferred uh, to Pacific, which, which is out in California, we knew that he wasn't going to be part of the team this year, even with the coaching change, which which hurt. But at the same time, we also had a young kid from Anthony Wayne. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Brendan Graves. Oh, oh okay. Graves. Graves, yeah. Yeah, he uh, he was actually on uh, the All-American game uh, his senior year of high school. It was coached by Taylor Twelman and someone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so he was in that. So it's not that we didn't have anything behind him, but I really fell in love with Cotton. He had a, such a great year. So that, that was a chant that we had dedicated to Eric Cotton. That was, that was one of my favorites from last year. But we have, there's a whole number of them that we, that we enjoy singing. And everyone in, in the Black Swamp has their own chant that they really like. Uh, and we all just we, – we rotate them up based on, based on how the game's going and, and what we're really feeling. Like we have ones where if we're winning, this is what we're going to do. If we're still losing but we, we have momentum, we have one for that. Um, so there's one for, every, for a different part in the game. So I appreciate all the ones that Brent came up with. Perfect. All right, cool. Well, uh, I just want to thanks Eric for being our first guest on the show and being our guinea pig and trying to work out the kinks for for interviewing guests. And um, I think we're gonna move into a, a new segment, last segment of the show here, and I'll pitch it to Sean and he can explain the the dynamics here. Yeah, we're we're gonna call it the full ninety locks of the week, uh, and we're looking at. Uh, you know, uh, the games in particular this weekend, which uh, involved the FA Cup. Uh, I, Hoover Damas, plan on beating Mr. Mercer, Mercesley in uh, these picks over 
the running total of the season or what's the remaining of the season. So uh, I put on my great Schwami hat, as they say, and I got to go out there and I'll give you what you need, especially if you have a little fix there at the, uh, uh, you know, at the uh, betting places. So we got a uh, Man U three, Norwich City one. So I got Man U moving on. We got Sheffield United two, Arsenal two, and I got United winning that game. I've got Leicester City taking uh, two, taking two, uh, Chelsea getting one. So it looks like uh, City's moving on. Uh, we got Newcastle present and uh, Man City three. So it looks like. Uh, Newcastle is going to be packing it up and going back up north to where it's cold and rainy and shitty like uh, Eric described earlier today. What do you got, Merce? Uh, okay, well, uh, so th- these are all FA Cup games for everyone uh, wondering. We we decided to skip the uh, the Premier League games midweek because we didn't know when this episode would be hitting the airwaves. So um, get to the picks. My picks uh, – I, I kind of went with the the classic picks, uh, Manchester United over Norwich. I don't have a, a goal tally there, but I'm going to guess it's a lot to a little. Um, I'm going – actually, I'm sticking with Arsenal over Sheffield United. Uh, they're going to kind of get through this rough patch. Sheffield United's also – And the misery. <laughs> Sheffield United had a terrible couple games here after the break too, and um, I think Arsenal will figure their stuff out eventually under Arteta. Um, I'm going with Chelsea over Leicester. Uh, Leicester didn't have the greatest game under, you know, against Watford. So I, Chelsea, they figured their stuff out against Aston Villa with Pulisic and Giroud eventually figuring it out and uh, scoring the goals in that game. Um, and then Manchester City, yeah, that's uh, I think that's the easiest pick of the bunch is <laughs> over uh, Newcastle. Sorry, Eric, but uh, th- those are my picks. So Eric, you want to go through yours real quick? Yeah, sure, why not? I, I think we're all going to disagree on that last one there. But uh, Norwich and United, yeah, tough to see Norwich advancing there. I think all their energy is going to be focused on trying to win a, a game or two to try to stay safe. I, I don't think it'll be enough. Uh, Bruno Fernandes looks unstoppable right now with Man U, uh, being involved with, with multiple goals since coming to the team. Uh, I got I got Man U three, uh, Norwich nil. Moving on to Sheffield Arsenal. Um, I'm going to pick Sheffield here. I think uh, Dean Henderson's going to have the game off in the midweek. I think he comes back and, and has a great game and goal. Um, I'm going to have Sheffield winning it one nothing. I don't think Arsenal scores. I think Sheffield plays really well defensively. Uh, I guess Sheffield won, Arsenal nil. Oh, as long as they don't get no goals. Huh? <laughs> no, I mean look, look at Sheffield. They don't give up many goals. All they right. don't score many goals. Keep it moving, Eric. Leicester City, Chelsea. Uh, I'm gonna take Chelsea. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go two one Chelsea, and finally Man Man City uh, against Newcastle. I'm not picking against Newcastle. Come on, now it's like Mike Dicka when the Bears play. He's picking the Bears. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm gonna take Newcastle. Uh, two goals to one. Alan St. Maximin, please continue to do your thing. Just run past people and score goals. And just try to keep them off the score sheet. Newcastle two. Son, have you been huffing ether? I mean, come on. It, no. No. Newcastle two, Man City one. Hey, if you look <laughs> statistically, we're, we're going off script here. If you look at the last few games we've played against Manchester City, we, we lost to them this year already. <laughs> when we played them at home this year, two to two. 
You go back to last time we played them at home. We won two to one. The last two games we played in Newcastle, we've gotten at least a point. I, I, I like our chances. Just yeah. kidding. Not really. You just don't pick against your team. Come on now. I picked against Arsenal. I, I we're dead ducks, man. We, we, we just just kill it. Just kill the season. Um, I think that's that's it for for this episode. Uh, Sean, yeah. Eric, do you any last thoughts before we we close out? Well, uh, oh. at, at, at this point. Right now, uh, I just wanted to say, if you've made it this far into the podcast, first of all, we'll probably send you some gold stars or something. Uh, but if your name is Brian, and I might, might pronounce your last name wrong, Gotchen Shop, Gotchen Hour, G-O-C-H-E-N-O-U-R. And if you are listening to this podcast, I will buy you a scarf of your favorite team. Uh, so... Please feel free to message our podcast, uh, the 32 Panels podcast. Uh, Brian, let us know that you heard the message. We'll get you your favorite team scarf. We hope to see you back out at the Full 90 soon. Um, I would like to remind people that the Full 90's vision still remains intact, growing that soccer uh, awareness, getting a, a bigger brand awareness here in the city. And um I just want to also say that we have been airing on caution. Uh, we might wait until the 2020-2021 campaign starts. Uh, we want to give you the best experience possible. We want to try to work through all the things that have um, kind of hampered other bars. In fact, we're noticing that some bars in the area have had to shut down due to some of the uh, laws that are being enforced. Um you know, one of the things I think about the way we congregate is is going to be changed in the near future. So hopefully I can kind of explore and create some ideas of what we can do, um, you know, in the meantime. And, uh, you know, perhaps we might have to make it a smaller private event. But, you know, I, I just wanted to kind of remind people out there that, you know, we're still missing you and we still want you to come back. And, um in the meantime, we're going to try to stay connected uh, as much as we possibly can and uh, share with you the 419 soccer universe that we're aware of. You know, uh, Tom Shook, if you're listening, man, we want to get you on pretty soon. Um, and uh, I don't know. Uh, the only other thing I could say is I don't know if you boys have seen the movie Green Machine, but I, I, I did not like the movie. I, I, I had some downtime and. I would not recommend that as a soccer movie. I think that is one of the, I don't know, it's probably it, it's probably one of those things where I want to get my money and time back, but I didn't pay to watch a movie, but I just thought it was the most like bullshit, bizarre thing. And, and uh, if you guys have any uh, recommendations for our show, uh, please feel free to give it to us, uh, you know, and we'll, we'll share with you what we know, what we can, um, and we'll, we'll, we'll do the best we can. Uh, Mercer, I know you probably can finish out a little bit stronger than I just did. So what do you, what do you want to say, man? Uh, yeah, just real quick, uh, just continue to share and, and like the, uh, the podcast on uh, Facebook or, um, we're going to set up a Twitter account too here in the, in the next few days. Um, just to give us another platform to, to share this on, um, a couple of people have reached out via message and we appreciate that. And if you have any ideas or, uh, 
podcast guest ideas that you'd like to share with us, just feel free to reach out to us and we're responsive and hope to continue to grow and, and, uh, and build this thing. So any last thoughts? I think so. I think that's it. All right. Well, we appreciate everyone listening and we'll be back here in the next few weeks here and, uh, give us all another episode. So thanks for stopping by. Thanks. All right, we've got two in the books now. Down the hatch. <laughs>